Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. And it was ultimately youth at the end of the day across the country and in Massachusetts that all focused in on this one seat and managed to take down a political dynasty. Hi, I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And I'm Natalie Meebane, and we're co-founders of the National Children's Campaign. Welcome to this episode of Our Future Now. Jonah, 2020, as you know, has been a mess, right? It's been nonstop climate disasters, floods, hurricanes, fires, constant police brutality, even though that is not new or unique to 2020. And obviously, you know, we're still in a pandemic economic crisis. And so clearly there's much that needs to change. I think you would agree. But one thing is we have a very important election coming up in November. Now, yes, this is as we always say, the most important presidential election of our lifetimes. But on top of that, there's also a lot of down ballot races that are just as important. And really organizing is the most important thing that we can do right now between now and election day to ensure that we win. Natalie, you're right. And we've done our fair share of organizing. We've talked about it before on the show. But today we're going to dive into our favorite experiences working with progressive members of Congress and how we can take this feeling that we have right now of not having any, any control over the world and channel it into the fight for a people's revolution to overthrow the systems of oppression, all from the comfort of your own home. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Isabella Falahi, who is the co-founder of Polluters Out. Polluters Out is a youth coalition organization that is based all around the world. Hundreds of youth participate from their organizations and directly within Polluters Out. And she is from Indianapolis, Indiana. So Isabella, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to be here. I've been listening to Our Future Now for quite some time because, you know, when we work in the same uh, activism circles, you just kind of got to support one another. So, so great to like actually be on the side of it. So a year ago, we were in Congress at the House Foreign Affairs Committee slash Select Committee on Climate Crisis doing a joint hearing with Greta Thunberg, Jamie Marglin, and Vic Barrett as the Democratic witnesses. And it was one of my proudest moments in my career to be able to see climate change front and center in our country. And it was really wonderful being there with you all and just overall the whole week of events that we did and of course um, ending with the climate strikes. But I have to say my absolute favorite, favorite memory was the kickoff to the week, which we had with Isabella where I had organized a tour of the Capitol and the goal was to get Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to be able to join the tour. And our staff had said, yep, we're going to try to get her to come. We're going to do our best. There's no guarantees. Finally, day of, they gave me word like, yes, she's going to be joining you on the speaker's balcony at the Capitol. And I tried my best to make sure that this was a secret for the whole team because I didn't want it to leak because I had one main goal was to make you cry, Isabella. So for context, it was like not my first time crying in front of AOC. The, the very first time was like actually still outside of the House Judiciary Committee um, in July when, <laughs> when I broke down just like full-blown sobbing and then got a hug from Representative Rashida Tlaib afterwards. Another flex, um, continue. Yeah, just like a subtle flex. Um, 
And then I got comforted by Ayanna Presley, another flex. I'm just going to throw this out there. But, you know, I, I really didn't think, you know, I'd cry this much again. But, like, I, I teared at first. And then, like, I cried again when I actually got to talk to her. Even though someone from the team we were working with at the time spoiled the surprise. Um, it may have been Jonah, actually. I, oh, I no, it was not. No, it wasn't Jonah. I it know was who not. Was. I'm not even going to put him out here. Yeah. But they had somehow gotten word that she was joining us for the tour and let you know and let folks know. But either way, I'm just happy that we have this on camera. And if anybody wants to see the footage, it is pinned on my Twitter at Kala Light with a K. And I know that it was really impactful to you. I've looked up to AOC as like this political figure that's completely altered the dynamics of politics within the United States right now, especially within the framework of the Democratic Party, uh, because I myself for so long have felt not necessarily as if the Democratic establishment had represented me, represented me as a daughter of immigrants, represented me as a daughter of a working class family, represented me as a Latina, as a Middle Eastern person, represented me as a member of Generation Z, and so, and also just as a climate activist. Um, and I really started tearing up later when I got to speak to her about my frontline experience as um, living in coal country, um, having asthma, and um, what that's been like, and the way in which she was able to really relate to my experience, and why we are both climate warriors in that sense. Um, and are championing the Green New Deal, her within the halls of Congress, and myself from the streets, because we both have these personal ties within our communities being used as the dumping grounds for the fossil fuel industry, her home of the Bronx and my home here in Indianapolis. So we have this mantra that we like to use of expand the squad. And so there are many members of Congress in office right now who are willing to work with us and are amazing partners in this movement. And there are many, many more who are not. And so what we need to do in order to make it so much easier for people on the outside to take action and make a difference is make sure that there are more people on the inside who are willing to fight with us. And so we need to expand the squad and elect more people and fight for more people who are going to fight for us. You know, Jonah, as you talk about expanding the squad and really growing the base of progressive leaders and just the base of leaders who care about the issues that matter most to us, I was really honored that two years ago, I got to uh, work on the campaign of Katie Porter, which is the representative district 45, California. Um, that's a part of Orange County, Irvine area and Orange County for a very long time, that whole area, you know, they used to call it the orange curtain, right? Because you, they feel like you would never overcome it. It was never going to be a democratic seat. And all of Orange County turned blue that year in 2018. And I was happy that fortunate that I was able to physically be there in person. But I feel like there's a lot of things that you can do, even if you're not physically on the campaign. And you know, once they're in office, don't think that, that you suddenly stop working with them, or you don't really talk to them. That's when the work begins. And it's really fun being in, you know, calls, and you'll be in a call with, you know, AOC staffers, or o Rep Omar staffers, or Rep Baragon staffers, and they're strategizing with you, you're working as a team to fight for the issues that matter. And you realize that it's not just about, okay, now you're in this seat, 
and that's it. You don't have contact. You continue to work with them. And it's always an honor to be able to work with those offices each day to really plan and push through legislation that changes lives. So I think what Natalie mentioned is like super important to hit on when we do talk about the way in which progressive elected official staffers interact with constituents and with activists compared to establishment official staffers interact with us because with progressive officials, they're strategizing with you in order to serve our interests. They're asking us what we want and how we can get there together. Whereas within my experience working with establishment Dems and and just establishment Republicans, um, staffers as well, it's them telling you the official's position and them almost standing their ground, unwavering and not trying to actually work with us to push policy. So I think that that's really, really important to hit on is the difference in which the offices themselves in DC and also in your states interact with the constituents and just the very culture that surrounds the progressive politics on Capitol Hill is we're here to work for you. Um, versus the very saviorist attitude that I'm here to represent you um, that many establishment officials do have. The reason that progressives are so receptive to the people is because they rely on the people to get back to Congress. They can't rely on the corporate donations and the lobbyist money and things like that to get back into Congress, they have to rely on people voting for them and volunteering for them and small dollar donations. And so if they're not going to listen to us, and if they're not going to work directly with us, then we're going to find someone else who will. And so I think that's what makes the progressive movement really unique. And we saw that most recently with the Massachusetts Senate race, the Democratic primary with Ed Markey and Joe Kennedy III. And so there it was very clear, Ed Markey has been fighting for us and fighting alongside us for decades. And so when it came time for us to have his back, we did because he's had our backs for longer than I've been alive. And so the progressive movement circled the wagons and stood with Ed Markey and fought for him. And he ended up winning by double digits. It's very interesting. Um, I think candidates do, you know, young old, um, all races, all religions, we like to look at representation as a monolith for representing our interests, when that's not necessarily always the case when we do look at politics. Because you can have older people like Senator Sanders and Senator Markey that are in Congress, and they are white, cis, heterosexual men, Um, But they represent our interests better than, I'd say, 90% of senators right now um, that are elected. And so with that being said, I thought it was very interesting the way in which the youth managed to transcend that generational barrier with the amount of memes in which we used and also how we mobilized TikTok and Instagram and all forms of social media to mobilize for Ed Markey with the hundreds of thousands of hours of calls that were made, the thousands of doors that were knocked on. And it was ultimately youth at the end of the day, 
across the country and in Massachusetts that all focused in on this one seat and managed to take down a political dynasty, which is the Kennedys, who up until this point had never lost a seat or an election for that matter in Massachusetts. And that really shows you the power of the progressive movement and in particular, the power of the youth. And this is gonna be so cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason because they're true. But I think it's our generation's ability to interact with social media and with TikTok and the fact that we can, as activists are so connected with one another that Jonah's out in California and I'm here in Indianapolis and Natalie's on the East Coast, that we can all connect and work together um, with such a fast paced timing that it's given us this advantage um, that's almost undercut traditional um, forms of campaigning and is really um, bringing us into the next wave of expanding and maintaining um, the squad that's currently present in Congress. It just shows you that at this time, with all the technology we have, there's no excuse not to be involved. You know, I have a friend who is not a citizen in the U.S., right? She's been here for years, came here as a young adult. She already fights every day to, you know, to fight climate change. She works on policy, all that types of stuff. But on top of that, now she uses her weekends to phone bank for candidates. She uses her weekends to do get out the vote work. And that shows you that it doesn't matter if you can vote, whether you're too young to vote, whether you are not from this country, whether, you know, you have a felony conviction and you haven't had your rights restored. You can still take part in the electoral system. And this, the way that we can do it now, like you said, with phone bank, with text banking. Um, a lot of places aren't necessarily able to do in-person organizing right now because of the pandemic, but we can each do our part regardless. You can do letter writing. I get text messages, I think pretty much every day from an organization telling me a way that I can get involved. Right now, one org is doing a letter writing campaign where they want people to actually write handwritten letters. And I think that's the great thing is that Activism does not have to be something like you have to go on a campaign in person. That's not going to be realistic for everyone, but we have to work together to elect, as we said, expanding the squad and elect down ballot races. Living in California right now during these fires just shows how people are impacted by the votes of elected officials who don't represent their districts. And so that is why it is so important for people to be volunteering for elected officials around the country and not just those who directly represent them. Because again, their votes impact your life, whether or not they represent you directly. Yeah, I'm about to say absolutely and pull a Jonah here. Um, but absolutely, Jonah. Um, I'm a huge fan of the documentary Knock Down the House. We've already added Cori Bush from Missouri's first congressional district. And now I think it's time to add Paula Jean Swearingen with the comeback of the century, the final countdown, the rebound, the last, you know, 20 seconds, 10 seconds to get her elected for West Virginia's Senate. Paula Jean Swearingen is an underdog and not many people think of West Virginia as the sort of hotbed for progressivism um, just growing as like an ideology and as a political ideology, especially because there's this idea of the Midwest and of Appalachia as this very inherently conservative 
area because of um, the way that our politics have looked in the past. However, when we do look at the ways in which the Midwest and Appalachia and just coal country in general are impacted by policies right now, it's people that are suffering, people like myself that are suffering. Um, when we look at the way in which the coal industry is acting, um, it's giving people asthma, numerous different types of cancers that, you know, we lose track of every day, um, COPD, heart disease, and people are dying because, as a result of this. Um, and ultimately, these big corporate dollars end up going towards fueling establishment campaigns, which something Paula Jean has been very, very vocal about. It's also our communities experience some of the like highest rates of poverty, lowest quality of life on like the entire scale of the United States. And so Paula Jean is really highlighting the fact that progressivism is for Appalachia, progressivism is for coal country, progressivism is for the Midwest because it's our communities that are in need of new infrastructure. They're in need of a green new deal in order to support our workers who are not only in need of a just transition because it's our communities that are being affected by the fossil fuel industry, but it's going to be our workers that are going to be in need of jobs as a result of this divestment away from fossil fuels and not just any jobs, but jobs that aren't killing them at the same time. It's, you know, tackling the addiction crisis. It's labor rights for these workers. It's enhancing our public education and giving good pay for our teachers, which are some of the lowest paid in the country and most overworked and in schools in which are crumbling and absolutely Medicare for all, which I think is so, so unbelievably important that so many people are dependent on it. And especially with the amount of health issues that are um, that do exist within the Midwest as a result for the climate crisis and so many other issues. Medicare for all is an absolute policy that must be pushed. And I think Paula Jean, I, I don't think, I know Paula Jean Swearingen is going to be fighting for these and carrying them into Congress and someone has to. Another race that is super important that is nowhere near me, this is all the way District 2, Nebraska, is Kara Eastman's race. Kara Eastman is running for District 2 in the House of Representatives, and she is working to unseat a Republican. She supports the Green New Deal. She supports the $15 minimum wage. She rejects contributions from fossil fuel companies because she signed, you know, she signed the No Fossil Fuel Money Pledge. And she really is somebody who we are excited to be supportive of. And so even though you don't live in Nebraska, even if you're nowhere near there, it is time to mobilize and work for Kara Eastman. One more person that I think everyone listening should know about and should be working their butts off for to get into the Senate is Marquita Bradshaw, who's running for U.S. Senate in Tennessee. She's fighting for Medicare for all, for quality public education, a Green New Deal, workers' rights, community policing, and more. And an amazing thing about Marquita Bradshaw is that she won her primary after raising less than $25,000 and upset the candidate who was endorsed by the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee who raised $1.2 million. And so I think that is just the best example that just shows how people power 
can win elections and change the country. And the next step is for people from all around the country to step in and take on her race and make sure that she makes it all the way through to the Senate. If you want to volunteer for Kara Eastman, Paula Jean Swearingen, and Marquita Bradshaw and then and send them to Congress, you can go to eastmanforcongress.com, paulajean.com, and marquitabradshaw.com. You can also go to ballotpedia.org to find a full list of state and federal candidates that you can support. And if you want to support the amazing work that Isabella and her organization are doing, you can go to pollutersout.org, check out their programs, and donate. Isabella, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure having you on. Is there anything you want to add? Thank you so much, Jonah and Natalie, for having on. Um, But you guys really need to understand the way in which elections across the country can impact just simply one vote in a proceeding, one vote on a bill, one vote, period, um, on any issue. So it's important that we mobilize for progressive candidates anywhere and everywhere um and to have a future keep in mind that these are not just bills they're not just pieces of paper they're people's livelihoods california is burning right now and that is having catastrophic results not just in california not just in the pacific northwest but all over the place and if we want any hope of actually not just having a future but having a now because climate change can just be seen by looking out your window Um, then it is imperative that we mobilize for every single progressive candidate across the board. So thank you so much, guys, once again, for having me on. Thank you so much, Isabella. We are so happy for you to join us. And once again, check out pollutersout.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Future Now. Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media storytellers for the common good. Thank you to our media partner, Parentology. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and share this episode with your family and friends on social media. I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And I'm Natalie Niebane. And this is our future now.